Hello, I'm John Bates, and welcome to my podcast, Hope for Today, where I inspire to live with heavenly perspective and kingdom mindset. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Hope for Today. I hope you've had a great week. And you know what? I'm believing you're going to have a better week, especially after I share with you what I'm going to share today. God is so good. He's innovative. He's creative. He's fresh. He's not in a box. And I have a friend, her name is Cindy McGill, who does not live in any kind of religious box. In fact, she uh, uncovers any religion in my life anytime I'm around her. And I hope that you want to get religion excised out of your life as well. We don't need religion. Religion is man's attempt to reach God. It's really opposite of spirituality because spirit, spirituality is spirit, my spirit connecting with God's spirit. Religion is more of my mind trying to connect probably with the mind of God, but not the spirit of God. So religion keeps me in a trap away from God. And when I get rid of religion, I'm closer to God. So my friend, Cindy McGill, she uh, is wonderful. She travels a lot. She ministers a lot in Las Vegas uh, to people who are in the sex industry, in the porn industry, pulling women out of that, women who are in prostitution, uh, goes to Burning Man and ministers there to the community, the people who are disenfranchised and away from God. And she has a way of meeting people where they're at. Reminds me of Jesus. And so uh, you're going to enjoy this. It's going to hopefully stretch you. If you're not stretched by Cindy, then you're probably not religious. That's a good litmus test right there. And so it gives me hope to know that God is stretching us, that we can always grow in him. And I really appreciate people like Cindy who have stepped out of the box of religion and are moving forward with what God is doing in their life. She's a consummate soul winner. She connects with people. She connects with God. And that's what I want for you. So would you welcome Cindy right now? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's fun, right? Are we living in a fun time? I hope so. <laughs> um, for those of you who, are, do, how many know what I do? How many don't? Oh, <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, I'm going to tell you, but I'm also going to uh, tell you about just a couple of books that I think you should have. This is Words That Work. This is written to reach woke culture. It is written to reach people, the LGBTQ, people that are in alternate lifestyles of what we live in. You've got what your dreams are telling you. This is dream interpretation. It is the number one tool, uh, lure in the fishing box. If you want to reach people of any walk of life, you can interpret their dreams and they will eat out of your hand. Methods to end the madness. This is the, this is the how-to. Words is the why, words that work is the why, methods is the how-to. This puts, uh, it puts um, instructions under your feet. Then there's a dream journal, and that's just for you to journal your dreams and keep track of them, date them, and build a timeline between when you've had a prophetic dream and when you have it again, because you do have two. Oftentimes, God will give you a dream and give you another one, and you can read it. Um, I go over that in the dream book about... Um, Pharaoh's dreams. Joseph said, you've had the dream twice because God is establishing something. And so he wants you to pay attention to your repetitive dreams. Um, so, and I'm doing a, a special, I'm going to do all these books for just 40 bucks. You can get them all. 
And so I want you to have them because they're important. It's important, especially for now. Um, let me give you a little bit of history and then I'm going to get into word of knowledge. Um, Tim and I both were born again here in Dallas. I'm from Dallas originally, born here, and Tim's from Oregon. We both met at Christ for the Nations early on. Tim's Senator Gordon Lindsay. So that's how early he was in the first class, really, of, of Christ for the Nations with the Lindsays. And then I came, uh, he was 72, 74, I was 74, 76. And then I also went down to Agape Force, which is down in Lindale, Texas. It was originally in Sebastopol, California. Then they moved down to um, Lindale, and that was an evangelistic team. It was just uh, people, we were going all over the place, uh, getting people connected. It was the Jesus movement, so it was very powerful. You couldn't hardly get anybody that wouldn't get saved. I mean, and, and not only did they get saved, they got spirit-filled, right? Bam, bam. It was just right there. You didn't have, miracles were happening all the time. Legs growing out. That's not new. <laughs> that was happening way back when. The first miracle I saw was a finger. A man had it cut off in a, a machine accident. He grew out and grew a nail right in front of my hand, uh, face. So I was down in a God Force in Lindale, Texas, when uh, Keith Green moved in, down across the street, it was uh, uh, Last Day's Ministries, uh, Leonard Ravenhill moved down and was on the property of Agape Force. Uh, David Wilkerson had all the property and he sold part of it to Agape Force and then and I think the Mercy Ships have it now. But YWAM was across the street in, in army bunkers, you know? And so we had this whole little revival type thing going on down there. Um, Winky Prattney, uh, scientist, if you know anything about him, he's still alive. He's still going. I love him. He, I learned so much from him. So we had the opportunity between Christ for the Nations and Agape Force and different things to learn from some of these great leaders and people that had so much wisdom. And it was a teaching movement. It was a, a, an era of teaching where people would get grounded in the word and they knew what it was and they knew how to rightly divide the word of truth and they knew how to, to find it in the Bible, which you don't have anymore. And so we're, we're getting ready to launch something where Tim's going to be teaching the Bible and getting people familiar with it so we can do it. Because I go out into the highways and the byways. I go out into the weird places. I go into places where the church is not present. But I couldn't do that unless I had first a foundation in the word and knew about Jesus, knew who, who he is, spend time with him intimately, know God's voice, learn to hear it, and then operate from it. I, I wouldn't be able to do that. I wouldn't be even allowed. God probably wouldn't even allow me to go into some of the places that I've gone to and still go into. Um, I want to talk to you quickly about uh, Burning Man. Burning Man is a big festival. You heard about it in the news this year. But up until this year, you really didn't know what it was, and I was constantly asked what it was. And so um, I ended up not going this year, but I did the... I did the media and I did the social for them because they don't have internet service on the playa. They don't have internet service in the desert. They don't have it. They, they want you off your phone. They don't want you uh, getting a hold of anyone. They want you to have the experience. It is a 10-day um, free-for-all, pretty much. It is a 10-day, uh, 70,000 people gather in the Black Rock City of Nevada, and they uh, gather together with all this creative art and all of this stuff, and they do have a temple there. And yes, it is paganism, and they do have a lot of pagan rituals and things that they do, but it's not a demonic thing. It's a seeker-sensitive thing. They want to know what is going on. They want truth. That's why they go to the temple, because they can't go to church. Wow. <laughs> 
So we need to listen up because I'm from here. I get it. I, we pastored four churches. I know what this is like. But I also know that there's a lot of creatives and there's a lot of people with a lot of uh, energy and understanding and they can't come to church because they would be kicked out. It doesn't fit their model. It doesn't fit their heart. And they, they get, um, I wrote a little chapter in Words at Work about church hurt. You know, when people have been, I mean, the people we meet out at that area, we have a little theme camp. Everything's built on a theme camp setting. It's seven miles long. Everything is a theme camp. So it's in a semicircle. I've been out there 16 years. Of the 20 years that our camp has gone out, I've been out there 16. So this year they had a, a mud storm. They had a, a flood with a lot of, uh, you know, rain and water. And, and when you get that kind of rain on a, on a bed like that, like a, a clay bed, like it's an old river bed, really is what it is, and it's, a, uh, it's dried up, it becomes clay, and you can't get around. So the news picked it up, and they sensationalized it. So just so you know, um, they said, well, they've locked the gates, and they won't let them out like Maui. That wasn't true. What they did is they closed the gates so people couldn't come in because they would get stuck in the mud. And they couldn't, there was no help for them. People can't navigate in those conditions. So they closed the gate for people not to get in any longer. But um, then uh, they were, people were walking around in hazmat suits. That's not true. <laughs> they were not walking around in hazmat suits. There was not a Ebola breakout. <laughs> that was also in the news, right? Don't you love news? Um, and then a flesh-eating uh, bacteria coming up out of the mud. That was not true. <laughs> there was no flesh-eating bacteria that has come out of, up out of the mud. Um, I train people. I train teams to go to this particular event because there's so much spiritual hunger out there. And you've got 70,000 people and you've got one I am camp. I call it the I am camp. We changed our language, right? I am camp. You've got one of them. And so we used to have four or five, but now they've all dispersed since COVID. So now we've got to start rebuilding. When there's a group like that, when there's that much spiritual hunger and you don't have people that have the truth on the inside of them, they're going to eat whatever's available, that's when they get into paganism and they get into new age and they get into all these different things because there's no truth. There's no one out there giving them the truth. There's no one out there being able to bring Jesus to them in a way they can understand him. And then he has an encounter with them like it did in the 70s. He has an encounter with them. We ask him, would you like to have an encounter with the spirit of truth? They're like, yeah. If we said, do you want to have an encounter with Jesus? They'd say no. Because they don't like him. Jesus hurt them in church. You following me? We had to change our language and God gave us the instruction and understanding of what we need to do out there. So when we're being led by the spirit, according to, to Romans eight fourteen, those who are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. We have to learn how to be led by the spirit all the time. I mean, just straight up, we are living in a spiritual world. You know, and I've noticed that when the more I've gone out and the more I've listened to God, I am not easily distracted by other things. I go into the adult convention. This will be our 14th year going to the big red carpet in Vegas adult convention. The first year I went, I was freaking out. I was like, I don't want to be here, you know. But God said, I've got people in here that people are praying for, and I've got to have somebody who can bring a, bring a message. 
And I was like, well, I'm not comfortable here. I've heard that a hundred times, right? And God said, well, when has it ever been about your comfort? (laughs) You know, I've got people out there, either sign up or get out, one of the two. And I'm like, I'm going, I'll, I'll figure it out. And God said, you know what? I've already seen it. He said, you're seated with me right here. So just look through my eyes. I don't look on the, on their actions. I don't look at their dress. I look on the heart. That's where I always look. So all of a sudden my focus became very sharp and I wasn't seeing anything. I wasn't seeing videos. I wasn't seeing all the stuff going on and trust me, they're there. But I was watching and seeing the heart and God would highlight someone. They would like glow. They would like light up like a light bulb over them, over their head. And I would be drawn right to them. And I would say, we're dream interpreters. We always go in as dream interpreters. That's how we get in. There were other booths that were overtly Christian in that particular arena of the porn convention. And um, after, just before COVID, they were all not allowed to come in, even though they had money to buy a booth. But you know who got in? The dream interpreters. (laughs) We got in. And this year we do have a booth. And we bought a booth and it cost us a lot to get a booth in there. But you know why we did it? Because we don't have to navigate around pimps and agents and security and bouncers. And we can have time one-on-one with them where we can touch them. God spoke to me the other day. I was getting up in the morning and he said, unusual miracles. We're living in a time of unusual miracles. And I thought, this is how you're going to learn to walk by the Spirit. You're going to learn to hear and and be bold and just go for it. What have you got to lose? (laughs) Nothing. God's with you. I promise you he's with you. All the things that we've done and the different places that we've gone and all the words of knowledge we've gotten and interpretation of dreams, which also is a word of knowledge. I call it a no-brainer word of knowledge. They're telling you everything that God wants you to hear, and then you just give them the answer. (laughs) You're like, oh, and then you flip it around if it's negative or evil or they're always being chased um, by someone or being knives in their backs or being hunted down or being raped or whatever in the porn convention, always. And I go, oh, really? Well, that just tells me something about you, how valuable you are, how incredible you must have. Something on the inside of you is drawing something because you wouldn't be chased if you weren't valuable. There wouldn't be any reason to chase you. And they're like, what? I go, well, this is what you settle for, but it's not what you're made for. (laughs) They're like, what? And I go, yeah, I'm a mom. And they're like, can you hug me? So when we have our booth, we can hug them. Every one of them. And every time we do, something breaks off. Then they come back and they want more. And they're like, how long are you going to be here? All four days we're going to be here. All four days. And we're going to watch God begin to just pull them out of the muck and the mire and hug them in their dirty place. Hug them in a place where they didn't think they they belonged or they felt shame or all of the things they feel. And they are accepted right where they are, loved into his presence and into his kingdom. Then they begin to come back and they go, tell me more. Do you have more? Word of knowledge. I'll be, they have fake names. You know that, right? They all do. And I'll be talking to them and I'll call them their fake name. And then while I'm talking to them or interpreting their dream or giving them a word of knowledge, their real name comes out. And they're like, did I tell you my name? And I'm like, the one who made you knows your name. (laughs) 
word of knowledge. It just flows out of you. It's not even hard. It's like the Holy Spirit just flows right through you and goes, here's the real deal. Because he shreds off all the stuff. He shreds off all of the, the exterior things and all the things that people have trapped themselves in or they cocoon themselves in these little protected places. And God says, oh, I'm just going to go right into the, right in here. And so God begins to teach us his ways and we walk in his truth. And he gives us the ability not to have a knee-jerk response. That's probably the number one thing we all do. You know, I, I, I did this little thing one time. I actually heard it on the radio. It was back when we lived in Oregon, way back in the 90s. And I heard somebody say on the radio, we in the church have a problem with people who sin differently than we do. That'll spank your bottom. Because you know what? We're all in this thing for one reason or another. Jesus has rescued every one of us and brought us into his presence and is shining his light and his truth and giving us the freedom to be unshackled and unchained so we can unshackle and unchain other people. <laughs> That's really what it's about. And when we're on and when this stuff happens and when you begin to do it, it is so much fun. It is exhilarating. You feel like I, you don't even have to have a car to get home. You're just like, I love it. I'm just walking on air. I mean, you're watching people get un, untangled from the devil's plan. And we're in and the other thing too is this last year, I think that's why, you know, we're just so involved in this at Burning Man and at the porn convention and at New Age Fairs and at LGBTQ communities and different things is because porn is fueling sex trafficking. That's what it is. And last year, they were pushing pedophilia out loud. And I was like, I tell everybody, don't have a knee jerk. And I had one. I'm like, holy smokes. Like, this is going to get nasty. I'm going to have a meltdown. God said, no, you're not. You're going to follow me, and I'm going to give you divine encounters. I'm going to give you the ones that you need to talk to. I'm going to keep you centered where you're not wobbly and you're not having a freak out moment, which I've done. I had a guy come up to me at the porn convention and goes, you don't belong here. And I said, neither do you. <laughs> I don't have your problems though. <laughs> I'm a mama. You don't mess with us. We're, we're, I was at the Commonwealth Games. We'd done the 2002 Winter Olympics, and they got wind of it through Charisma Magazine and different things. We did our dream outreach, and we got a hold of uh, someone got a hold of us from uh, Manchester, England, said, we want you to come for the Commonwealth Games. So we came over to England for the Commonwealth Games, and I'm sitting in a coffee shop, and I'm having coffee, and we were asking people if they'd like to have a dream interpretation. And, um, and this, these three people sat down at our table, they were young people. And I was not getting, they said, we'd like to have a spiritual reading. That's what we call them, spiritual readings. And I always hated it before because I was never good at it. You know, I was like, mm, I don't know, you're messed up. <laughs> you need help, dude. I don't know. Um, and I was sitting there and I thought, okay, this is going to be rich. You know, they want a spiritual reading. I'm good at dreams because they tell me something and I can pull something out of that, you know, that I know is, is high, God highlights. And 
But this time I didn't get anything, and I was sitting there looking at them, and that's weird. You know that awkward moment when you're staring at them? And they're looking back at you, and you got your eyes in slits, right? And they're looking at you like, what, are you, are you having a seizure? <laughs> you all right? It's really weird. And, uh, and God spoke to me and said, what color is her shirt? The young girl. And it was green. And I know that green has something to do with growth. It has to do with something living. It's trees. It's like plants. It's like something's green. It's go. And I said, hmm, I, I, I feel like you probably have something to do with um, young people or growth or you have something to do, it seems like, with youth or, or, um, or maybe you're in a, a pro- program that actually gives you the ability to grow things or to help people. And she goes, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. I'm a youth counselor. <laughs> And I'm like, yes. I acted like I knew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I looked at the uh, guy sitting with her, and he looked like all of a sudden, all of a sudden, didn't look like that when he sat down, but all of a sudden he looked like the son of someone I know who is an accountant. Okay, now when he sat down, he didn't look like that. But now all of a sudden he did look like that. And I was like, well, I know my friend, his son, um, they're both going in the same vein, and they're into accounting. And I said, I think that you probably have something to do. You have a real interest in math, or you enjoy numbers, or you like calculating things or different things. He goes, I'm a math major. Two for two. Then he had the little boy, little brother, sitting next to him. Well, I didn't get anything from him. He's this little kid, and he's all over the place, and they gave him coffee, and they shouldn't have. (laughs) And on top of it, they spoke with a really heavy English accent, you know. I turned to my friend, I said, what are they speaking? And she goes, it's English, Cindy. <laughs> God speaks in English. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm from Texas going, what? Um, and he, all of a sudden, I looked at him, and I had a spiritual moment where his lips went out like this, and they formed a little O. I go, do you play the trumpet? He goes, I do. I was like, well, see, it's a good thing for you. It fits you. And I was like, that is the weirdest word of knowledge I have ever had. Like, I mean, it was like images and picture. And I, I think in pictures. I dream in pictures. I, I have the ability to retain people's dreams even after they've told me several years ago because it goes in. It, it settles there, and I can see their face, and their dream will come back, and I can tell them what their dream was, even if they've forgotten. But there you go. It's called prophetic recall. <laughs> you can prophetically recall. It's like you're, it's, it's a spirit thing. It's, not, it's living. It has no beginning. It has no end. You know, it's just going. So God is teaching us how to walk in him. He's teaching us how to mo- move forward in his presence. He's teaching us how to be okay navigating in the presence of God. Because the Holy Spirit is going to lead you and guide you into all truth. You're not going to have just partial truth. And you're on assignment. And bonus, the Holy Spirit, God is with you. So if God is with you, who is against you? So, you know, we've got a wide open field. And we just have to be unafraid to go in there. With the LGBTQ, they're one of my favorite groups. Because they're so, they're so open 
to hear something positive and wonderful about them in spite of their living circumstances. If you, if you get words at work, you'll see a story in here where a mother, her son had been, she had been a single mom. She raised her son. Her son became involved in the homosexual lifestyle. And it grieved the mother really bad. She didn't want that to, to be the lifestyle for her son, but he chose it anyway. And his partner at that time developed AIDS. And the Holy Spirit, God told her, he said, I want you to take this young man into your home and care for him as if he was your own son. And so she did. She brought him into her own home and she took care of him and he, he was not getting better. She was praying over him all the time. And the other son, her son, would go to work and provide for the family. And so she took care of him. She bathed him. She fed him. She did everything because the love of God doesn't fail. It's unconditional and it doesn't have measurements. It doesn't have a place where it stops loving where it stops caring. So she took him in. She, she took him all the way through to the point of where he was getting ready to, to pass on. And he took her hand and he said, I want your Jesus. He goes, I have never experienced such a love of any, from anyone in my whole life. And I know that you have told me about Jesus. And if this is who you serve and this is how he is, I want that. And he got born again and her son repented and came out of that lifestyle. And he, and it was like, it was a whole revolution for their whole family. Like he got born again. He came out of it. He now is a spokesman. I don't know where he is anymore. It was several years ago, but he became a spokesman for people that were, that were in that lifestyle and explained to them what they were missing by not having a relationship with Jesus because most of them are just broken. They're just hurting. They just don't know. It's, I call them love confused. They don't quite know what they're supposed to do. They don't know how they're supposed to be in love with someone else. But God is a love uh, corrector. <laughs> you know, He's the one who can bring everybody right into the way that they're supposed to live and how it's supposed to go. So when we would have um, people coming in, we set up our theme camp at Burning Man. I know I'm bouncing back and forth, but at Burning Man, we set up our, our theme camp and call it the Freedom Lounge. And um, I did my best to try and uh, do some social media things from past events so that you could see what it was about. Because it's all about spiritual hunger, pretty much. And we would have a thing called the Freedom Lounge, and we had a menu board, and we created a menu that said things like, um, organic restart, welcome to your new life. <laughs> That's salvation. <laughs> we go, original re recovery. Who were you before you went all these other ways? Um, or get, uh, we'd have spiritual cleansing and redefinement. That's deliverance and an infilling of the Holy Spirit. You can't have one without the other. We would have true reflections or word art. I love word art and true reflections. You put a mirror up and they tell you everything they see in the morning when they're getting ready to go somewhere or when they get up every day and how horrible. It's always negative. You know, oh my gosh, I'm this, I'm that, you know, and they always pull out the bad stuff and we just flip it around and tell them everything we see, which was good. And we paint them a whole new image and they were, they were sobbing. They were crying. They had no idea. They didn't know. We did this at an art, uh, art festival in uh, Orange County, California, and um, we were going to do word art. And the director of the, of the art fair said, well, I've never heard of this and I don't think it's real. And I said, well, sit down. 
So she did, and um, we did word art. We just gave her a new reflection of herself, true reflection of herself. She was sobbing. She was undone. She goes, you can do this anywhere. I'm just amazed, and you know, because they're creative, and you've got to be creative in order to meet them. You can't go out there with church words and language and Bible verses and do all these things and expect them to eat out of your hand. They're not going to do it. They don't even think the Bible's true. They don't put any, any credibility or validity to it. We do, but they don't know that yet. Their minds are blind. And so, um, so we've, uh, you know, we started this word art and when we had the band struck up at this end of the plaza and so we couldn't hear. So people took their mirrors and started running to the other side to down to the back end of the plaza where it was quieter and they could hear each other. And, uh, people were running behind the mirrors. <laughs> they were in a line running to get their word art experience or their true reflection. We started a new thing now called uh, dog greeting. <laughs> That happened by accident, word of knowledge again, you know. It's like I was in a, a bar in, uh, in New Orleans, and we were doing an outreach. It was Saints and Sinners, so it was Saints on the top and Sinners on the bottom, right? And um, we were doing an outreach, and the, one of the um, assistant managers of the bar said, well, do you read dogs? You know, and I went, Yes. <laughs> Never read a dog in my whole life. So, you know, and she goes, he's a rescue. There's your word of knowledge. I went, really? So I said, well, Fred, no one thought you'd ever be, no one, you, you never thought anyone would ever want you. You thought you'd be trapped in a cage your whole life. You thought that, you know, you'd eventually be euthanized. You, you know, you were sad. You were, you felt like you didn't have any value. But Julie over here saw you and came and bought you, paid a price for you. And bought you and brought you home and took care of you and brought you so that you could thrive and you could live and you could... And she's weeping because she's the rescue. I'm starting to use that. I'm encouraging people in my training to go do that. <laughs> go into the highways and byways and read their dog. If you go to any liberal place, they're going to love it. Go to Berkeley. Go to some college campus and read their dogs. You won't be kicked out. They're just weird enough to love you. And they think, wow, I've never heard of that. I read cats too. Ferrets, birds, turtles. <laughs> you got to love it, man. God's creative. He's going to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. What does it take? I don't know. But they won't let you read them unless they think you're a psychic. And then you have to tell them, I'm not a psychic. And they go, well, you're acting like one. And I go, no, I'm not. I'm just acting like the one who understands you because I'm connected to the one who put you together. Do you, talk, do you mean God? And I go, well, I call him God. And they're like, well, I don't believe in God. I go, well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> That's where my information's coming from. 
It's like, I mean, we just go there. We just have to go around and, and dance. And sometimes they'll just, you know, they don't know what to do. But once they've had an encounter, because that's the next step. Would you like to have an encounter? Yes. With the spirit of truth? Yes. No one's ever turned us down. No one. No one has ever said no. No, lie to me. Because <laughs> when we do that, then they're like shaken, power God hits them. These are burners. These are people that are out there. These are people that hate God. They're God-hardened, godless, and God-confused. Okay? They don't understand what this is. They've been, they have not related on any level in any form to church. They will not go back. They will not go back because they were not accepted and they felt rejected and they don't want anything to do with it. But the spirit of truth, God meets them. He comes to them. He comes to them. And you know what? I, I think the main thing was that, that if, if, in fact, I've had so many different things and people speaking into my life, you know, about the things that we do and where we go. And I've had so much crap coming at me from it. You know, I have people say, you can't do that. And I go, well, I'm not going to, I'm not reporting to you in heaven one day. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stand before someone in heaven and it's not going to be you. <laughs> so I got to do. And, um, but, you know, I've had so much, so many things come at me and I've just realized, you know, we just have to go with it because Jesus will go where they are and he will meet them at the point of their need. And if you think about the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, she was thrown down at his feet. And what was this posture? He was right down there with her. He didn't stand up with the other ones with stones. He was right down there with her in her broken state, in her nakedness, in her shame. And that's what we need to do. We, the church, have got to start acting like him. We have got to lose this religious stuff that has bound us and kept us from embracing a broken world, embracing a world that is confused, embracing a world that has no understanding about the unconditional love of God. And when we get out there, you will lose your religion. REI Speedwagon, losing my religion. How many remember that song? I even remember that. Two of you remember that song. Do any of you listen to the radio except Caleb? <laughs> That's the other thing. Be culturally relevant. Understand what's going on in your world. You know, if we had had any idea what was going to happen down there at Astro World. With Travis Scott down there, who was opening up a portal of hell, and people were demons were flying around, and so many people suffocated and, and weren't even, you know, they were, they were trampled on, right? And there were people sitting on the, on the uh, fence who absolutely don't have any. I mean, they were cussing, telling their story. So that tells you they don't know God, but they said, that was, that was a portal of hell. Those were demons coming out of there. And my, my question to the church is, well, where were we? Because we can open a portal of heaven. <laughs> Everywhere we are, we're two or three are gathered in his name. He's right there in your midst. Why not open a portal of heaven? We did this at the temple at Burning Man. We went in there with three or four worshipers who were just doing nonverbal worship. And Caleb was flagging. And all of a sudden, there was a portal opened up. And people came out of their seances. They stopped doing New Age Reiki healing. They stopped doing all their stuff. And they started looking around going, what is that? And we said, we're, we're temple healers. 
You just embrace it. You got to know your culture. We're temple healers. Oh my gosh. And I go, we do heart healing. And, and they would take your hand and put it on their heart. Because they were grieving their lost loved ones. They were finding a place to pour out their heart. They were finding a place where they could pour out their heart and they could get free from this heaviness and this burden and all this stuff. You know, we should create something like that where it's confessional time where people can come in and they can put their their grievances up here or they can put it somewhere and then you burn them up where they don't have to look at them anymore because that's what they do. They burn the temple on Sunday night. And everything goes up and they feel freedom. It false freedom because it's not a clear deliverance from their grief and their pain. But at least we can we have to be present in order to let Jesus in, right? <laughs> Am I getting you stirred up? Yeah. Are you excited? Yeah. Are you wondering why are you here? I'm here because Bob Jones told me in 1985, me and Tim, Bob Jones was a prophet from Kansas City. He looked like a a middle school janitor. And I don't mean that in a rude way. I'm just saying, I know my middle school and I know there was a janitor and he looked like him. He always had food stuck to his shirt, Bob Jones. And he wore pants that were high water pants with hard shoes and socks. And when I first met him in 1985, I had no idea who he was or what he was doing. And I was like, what are you, we were at the Vineyard Church and they brought this guy in and he put hands on hands, right? And he'd got a hold of me and Tim because it was a pastor's meeting. And he goes, you and Tim, he goes, God wants you to save the church. He says, the church needs to be saved. You're evangelist to the church. And I looked at him, I said, well, you're wrong. I'm out, I'm out on Second South with the hookers, you know. <laughs> like, but sure enough, as we've gotten older, he died back in on February 14th, about 2018, I think it was, not not long after John Paul died. And um, and my husband had a dream, and in the dream, Bob Jones was sitting in a chair and Tim grabbed my hand in the dream and we were going toward Bob Jones and Bob Jones turned and looked over the chair at Tim and said, I've already told you what to do. And I went through a time where I was like, you know what? I have been raised in the church. We have had four of them. It was like, it was a bittersweet time. Those of you who are pastored and know what that's like, God bless you. I like the little meme, you know, it's floating around. It's some old guy and it goes, pastoring's, you know, great. And it's so-and-so and he's really old and it says he's 22. <laughs> but, you know, there's, there's a time where you just have to say, you know what? I, I went through the thing and I said, I, I don't want to have to, I just want to go out in the field. That's where my heart is. That's where I go. That's, that's my whole passion. I love to see people get delivered from all kinds of oppression and come into the goodness and the knowledge of God and translate their organic restart. Welcome to your new life. You have a brand new life. You don't have to live in the old stuff anymore. You're going to get clean as you go. As they went, God healed them, the the lepers. And, um, and it's like, as they went, they got healed. And, um, I love doing that. But the Lord said to me, he says, well, where are you going to get your laborers? I said, well, from the new converts. (laughs) He goes, you're going 
to evangelize the church. And just recently, I did a a podcast with Cindy Jacobs. And at the end of it, she said, we have got to pray that the church gets delivered from religion. I think it's Mark 8, where Jesus said, you know, you need to beware. I'll make sure of that reference. You need to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. Beware of the leaven. What does it do? Religion is leaven. That's what the Pharisees are. It will leaven you out. It will make you indifferent. It will make you stagnant. It will make you uh, critical. It will make you condemning. It will make you hateful. It will make you hard. It will make you lash out. It will make you do all these things. And of Herod, that's the government. Beware of the leaven. You know, I did a little article the other day and said, don't you ever allow yourself to be persuaded by fear or by pressure to conform to something that God hasn't asked you to do. We're going to have to stand up. We're going to have to stand up like Daniel did. And we're going to have to say, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I've got a whole world out here that is going to die and they're going to find themselves in hell if we don't go. God gave it to us to go do. And with it comes the word of knowledge. With it comes the word of wisdom. With it comes the healing anointing that comes with it. Your hands will get hot. All of a sudden, you'll know that there's someone who needs healing. You're walking around like a zombie going, well, okay, my hands are burning up, you know. And there'll be someone that comes toward you who needs a healing in their body. Unusual miracles are going to break out. We're going to watch God do take over stuff, take over arenas. But you know what? All he needs is volunteers because you will volunteer willingly in the day of his power. And I'm telling you, it is the most exciting thing you'll ever do. And at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, what difference does it make? How uncomfortable it was for us. When it's all said and done, what difference does it make if it costs you something? What difference does it make if you got dirty? What difference does it make if you were offended or you were scared or you were shocked by what you saw? You're going to be more shocked. It is prevalent. It is, they're not even hiding it anymore. I just got a little thing and I just posted it on my, I don't think, I don't know if you follow me or don't, but I just posted it and I was like, really? They did something in Minnesota where they were inviting children as a family-friendly demon summoning Listen to what I'm telling you. A family-friendly demon summoning where you come and you bring your little children and have them open up so they can summon demons to come in? Oh, I'm going to say it. Hell no. Where's the church? Where's the church to go, uh, excuse me? I'm doing angel summoning over here with the spirit of truth. Because see, Paul Cain said before he died that there was going to be an anointing that would be poured out on the children that they would prophesy with greater accuracy than he did. I knew Paul Cain. I was in his meetings. He would get addresses. Social security got Bill Clinton's private cell phone number. 
so the Secret Service was all over, and but Bill, I don't know if you know that, but he went to he was in youth group in Arkansas years ago. A friend of mine said he was with his brother in the youth group, so he had some grit or understanding about what God does, and and so he became like a a a, a minister basically while he was running while he was in office. And, and I'm, I'm telling you that there is, there is an anointing coming on the kids. Can you imagine being in a drag queen show that's attracting children? Why? Why don't they want old people? Because I'm showing up. Entertain me. Go for it. Can't be entertained by you. But they have children. Can you imagine it? And now all of a sudden the anointing of God comes on a little three and four year old girl or boy and they go, excuse me, here's what I see about you. To a drag queen. Hijack the whole show (laughs) at that moment. I'm expecting that type of thing to happen. I'm expecting unusual miracles. I'm expecting the anointing of God to pour out on us to such a degree that we don't have a choice but to be a voice. It's no longer an issue. It's no longer a debate. We don't have a choice but to be a voice. We have to. And we get to go into places where nobody else will go. And you're going to take all the scoff and all the stuff. And people are going to tell you no. And they're going to stand in line to do it. And you're going to go anyway. Because God has need of you there. (sighs) And you're going to blow the whole thing apart. Because his presence rests on you. And the gifts begin to flow and the anointing starts to flow and you're giving words of knowledge. We do this all the time in the new age arenas. We go into mind, body, spirit, and we just give words of knowledge out to people who are coming to the psychics and we're not charging and they get mad at us because we're not charging. So we put a bowl on the table and said, it's organic giving. (laughs) So that way they can't yell at us or be mad at us. We're just like, give what you think it's worth. And it always pays for our booth. We did this at the pagan picnic and we had people, we had a bowl on the table that said, help us go to Burning Man. Well, pagans are familiar with Burning Man. (laughs) And they're like, we don't know what you are. You're too light to be dark and you're too weird to be Christian. (laughs) And we didn't tell them. And they come in with their, with their pentagrams and their shrunken heads and all that stuff. By the way, you want to get a hold of that just so you know. If you're talking to them, you need to hold that stuff in your hand so that's not talking to them. And then you just look them straight in the eyes and sometimes they'll look back at you and if they're psychic, they won't. If they're witches, they won't. Just so you know. You can go, look at me. Look at me. (laughs) Look at me. (laughs) And they're going, I'm not looking you in the eyes because it mirrors my heart. They told me that. And I said, I know. I know. I can see your heart even if you don't look at me. And they're like, what are you? What are you? What are you? And I go, I am supernatural. I am not of this world. (laughs) You can use all of it. (laughs) God's like, yes, you are. And these things will drop in your mind right in the moment. In the moment. It's always in the moment. Word of knowledge, always in the moment, right? You don't get it ahead of time. You know, you get it in the moment. It's in the moment. But you learn to walk in the spirit because you've been there for so long and now you're not distracted by whatever goes on. 
And now you're just going for them. You'll just, they'll line up. I asked God because I was doing Sundance Film Festival and there were tons of people on the street and it was cold. We did Burning Man and Frozen Man. It was always six degrees <laughs> on the street in the middle of winter in Park City, Utah. And then we go to Burning Man, it was over 100 degrees, right? So we're like, well, <laughs> hot or cold. <laughs> we're not lukewarm. And <laughs> so we go on the street at, it, it, it Sundance and we were doing dream interpretation because so many of the filmmakers, independent filmmakers, they dream. There, a lot of movies come from dreams and stuff like that, right? And they love it and they like it. So I had to ask God, you've got to point people out to me because I will encounter all of them. I will stay out here until my fingers are sewn and I can't feel them because there's no place to go in and get warm. You just have to bundle up and you have to hope that they're going to want to stay out there with you. And so he would have them glow. He literally did. And that's a little thing that I just have going on with him. God just has them. He highlights them because he knows the ones that need are ready to be encountered. And if they don't engage you right away, they're not your fish. You just need to dust your feet off, you know, dust the dust off your feet, the sand, and just move on because they will hijack. They will prevent you from having your divine encounter. Right? So that's a good thing to know. They'll, they'll keep you from having your divine. They will talk you into the ground. They will just yickety-yak-yak. And they're, they're saying nothing. And it has no meaning. You can feel it. You're like there's a closed door here. And you'll have to excuse yourself and go, I'm sorry, I have to go over here because I think this, I'm, I need to meet this person. And they'll be glowing. <laughs> I had someone say that to me. I was sitting and I was looking at him. We were at the Starbucks line and I was sitting in the chair because I'd already had my drink and I was looking at this person and they are looking at me and they go, why are you, are you staring at me? And I said, yeah. I said, you're glowing. <laughs> and they're like, what? I said, people do that. They just glow sometimes. And they're like, okay, that's weird. I can't wait to get out of here. And I said, are you a dreamer by chance? I said, we're doing a documentary on dreams at that time we were. And they go, gosh, yes, I just had this crazy dream last night. And I go, yeah, I figured. God will do that. He will actually give them a dream the night before he knows you're going to meet them. So when they're glowing or when you have that thing with God and you know that's the person you need to encounter, then you need to go with it because the Lord's got something for you to say. And if you open your mouth up wide, he will fill it. You don't have to worry about that. You don't even have to worry about what you're going to say in that moment. God's going to give it to you in that second. And they'll be the right words. And there's times when I interpreted a dream and I thought I got it right, you know, when I was first learning and, well, even now. And um, they'll repeat back to me what they said, what they think I said. And <laughs> it's nothing like what I said. Like, I know what I said and that wasn't it. But they got it from God while I was just giving them that, right? And I go, mm-hmm, yeah. You know, <laughs> just, just flow with it. You don't have to, well, that wasn't what I said. You know, oh, I had that on a team because we work in twos or threes and I, I interpreted somebody's dream and the person next to me said, gosh, I didn't get that at all. They're on my team. And now we've confused the dreamer. And I'm like, we had to, we had to learn as we go. I said, don't do that. <laughs> well, I don't think that didn't know what I got. I didn't get it. Or we'd have team members that would start having a Holy Spirit manifestation. That's another thing. You got to learn how to hold yourself. 
Because they would be going, I should get up, I should get up, I should get up. Oh, oh, oh. And we're like, I had someone say, are they having a seizure? And I go, yes. <laughs> because they're hijacking my encounter over here. I'm like, I had one intercessor who couldn't help herself. Her mouth, were, her mouth was moving constantly all the time. We were in a Barnes and Noble bookstore and we got permission to do filming in there. So I went into the foreign section and got her a book and had to put, her, put it in front of her mouth. At least it looked legit. I'm like, figure it out. <laughs> but you'll hijack the encounter if you start doing weird stuff. Because the church knows what we do, but the world doesn't know that. Right? Have I blown your minds enough? Have I given you anything about word of knowledge? <laughs> Did that even figure in? <laughs> you know where it's going to go. All righty. So if you want to get trained, sign up for one of my things and come with me. I've had people say, well, I'm going to come with you. I've got a, someone who's going to sponsor me. And I go, that's not how it works. I've got to train you to go into these places because it takes some shifting. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. So uh, let me know where you're at on the litmus test of religion. Did she cause you to say, wow, okay, that's new, that's fresh. I need to depart from my way and be more like Jesus. I hope that happened in your life. And if it didn't happen in your life, congratulations. You're probably well on your way to healthy spirituality. That's hopeful. I wanted to let you know about a need in the ministry that I lead, John Bates Ministries, going to Las Vegas November 8th through the 11th, meeting with city leaders, uh, speaking life into them, and bringing city transformation. So some major players are coming to the table November 8th through 11th. Would you help me? Um, it's not free. Um, so uh, providing for this, providing meals, um, bringing a team with me, paying their way, and uh, they're doing a lot of work, a lot of groundwork, a lot of preemptive work, and I need your help. It's a major initiative. So you can send any amount to John Bates Ministries will be applied to the Las Vegas trip November 8th through the 11th. Thank you for partnering with me. Thank you for praying for this initiative. God loves our cities and God loves you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to Hope for Today with John Bates. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review. You can subscribe and share these episodes wherever you listen. You can connect with John through Facebook, Instagram, and at johnbatesministries.com. Have a blessed day.